Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Treasure Island. That was very last second. Very last second. Behind the scenes here is always fun. Lotus behind the scenes. Uh, Treasure Island is wonderful. We've got new machines in front of us. We're going to have to talk about that. That's a topic for today because we uh, we had some work going on here a couple shows back. And, man, that's what they were efforting. Okay, so that's a good tease. We'll get to the new machines here. We're adjacent to the sports book. We're in the sports bar. It's the Golden Circle sports book and bar. 55-plus TVs. we got NLCS on now, ALCS coming up. we got a college football game tonight. we got NHL. Tons to go over. Later in the show, the Aces are mad at the media for covering them. So we'll get to that. That's a weird one. we got a UFC event this weekend, which I'd rather talk about that. And, obviously, a ton of NFL. Raiders mystery, not really anymore. I guess we'll let the cat out of the bag. I think this is the right decision, but uh, big ruse. Diana Rossini, little stature, big personality. Now online, gone from ESPN, reports that Brian Hoyer will start over AOC. Ooh. So that's the right decision. No, it's not. Okay. Well, let's save it. Let's save that because I know Damon wants to chime in. What's up, Damon? And not much, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Fun week. Thanks for holding down the fort for uh, much of the week. Sounded like it was quite the rocky adventure. <laughs> Oh, it's always fun. Uh, last night, Thursday night football, I was actually leaving the town where Thursday night football mm. was uh, going to be played in, and I saw Jaguars fans all over New Orleans. And, you know, I didn't – it was a vacation, so I, was, I wasn't going to sit there and, and do, uh, you know, a straw poll on Derek Carr as the Saints quarterback. I did have – going back to Sunday, Saints came up short – and there were some people bitching about Derek Carr, and then there was one one defender who was the loudest guy. He's like, they, you know, they don't have an offensive line, just like when he was with the Raiders. With you guys out in Vegas, he doesn't have an offensive line. Okay, interesting, interesting. So last night, our ex, Derek Carr, loses with the Saints to the Jaguars, 31-24. to You know, I'm always blown away by this one, John. These national games really are for a lot of people. Like some of the only times they actually see these teams. Yeah. Because Sundays are so busy and they've got their local team. People will say they go to a sports bar and watch all the games, but they don't. And that's nothing against them. If you're, you know, if you're in a local market and you have a team, listen, most Raiders fans are going to be watching the Raiders in the afternoon slot. And maybe a lot of people haven't been watching the Raiders over the years with Derek Carr and hadn't seen the Saints with Derek Carr. That's what I was kind of blown away by. Like, all of these really strong opinions from just last night on one Derek Carr. Yeah, it was like they, like you said, like they had seen him for the first time, and that was kind of the the odd part about it. And I guess what that's what those are for. But and what was kind of weird about yesterday was all these declarative statements being made about Derek Carr too, whether it's current, whether it's past, all sort of things. So, for example, one of the things that really stuck out to me when you watched yesterday and about the discourse from yesterday was a whole bunch of, like, you know, Derek Carr's terrible and he's never had it. I was like, well, 
I don't think that's true. And I've I've admittedly been a Derek like a proponent of Derek Carr in his time for the Raiders. I stuck up for him when he was quarterback of the Raiders. I will even go back as far as saying the year that the Colts, right, were in disarray. They didn't know if they were gonna get Matt Ryan, whatever it was. I wanted Derek Carr. Go get him. I thought he would maximize everything that the Colts had. So to kind of come in and swoop in on one game in which Derek Carr again is coming off of his worst career year last year and just say, Derek Carr's always been terrible. No, he's been pretty good. And he had a bad game yesterday. He's had a bad season so far, and he's coming off one of his worst years. That doesn't erase an entire career of adequate quarterback play. I think he's overrated by a lot of people. I think he's been constantly overrated by a lot of people. And maybe it's the quarterback who has the blame placed on his shoulders when things don't go well. But it is pretty alarming when you see Derek Carr's numbers as a favorite, his team as a favorite. They're 16-34-2 straight up. But I mean, that's I mean that, that, that kind of means you're overrated, right? People are playing into a certain betting market. Uh, that's why you're the favorite. They have to try to balance the number. Your team constantly, I mean, can, can your team be underwhelming that often in 52 games? That's a pretty good sample. I mean, it's a good sample, but you're also, you're using a word that is important, your team. Derek Carr doesn't play offense and defense. He's been on a couple of bad Raiders teams, and so there's probably some instances in which they've been overvalued. And we don't know where those instances were, but that's a team thing. And I know we look at quarterbacks a lot, and obviously, you know, they are the most valuable position to the point spread, all sorts of things. But I think when you're looking at that metric and going, see, Derek Carr, he sucks. It's been like that the whole time. I, I think you're viewing that statistic. I also I also believe, and I'm sorry to cut you yeah. off, so I'm not using that, that stat correctly. Okay, 16-34-2 um, straight up when – his team is favored. The other thing I don't think a lot of people saw, especially the last couple of years, he had some tremendous character moments, but he is not, you know, Jesus Christ in Nikes, whatever they wear. I don't know what, what they wear in, in the NFL. Um, Reeboks? I don't know what they wear. But he is a guy who has flaws. He does lose his composure from time to time. And... Like, I don't mind what was happening last night, but it's not like I hadn't seen it before when he was completely flipping out multiple times throughout the game. Now, I don't know if he's mad at his receivers. I don't know if he's mad at the OC, Pete Carmichael. I'm, I, I don't know who the hell he was mad on a pass that he threw. Maybe he threw it out of, out of bounds on purpose because out of frustration, the route wasn't run the right way or no one was open, but he throws a deep ball. It's seven yards out of bounds. Who are you yelling at? So that's that one specifically, and I will, I will name him, Warren Sharp has this habit online of taking. Who is clips. this guy again? He's he is banted about to be a. I don't know. I think he's considered a professional gambler. Like in NFL he's a handicapper circles. who hasn't had a lot of success, but is pretty good at putting together videos and finding right. factoids and then building opinions off of that. His his actual the the uh, transferring that to winning bets. He's not great at that. Right. So but not many people are. No, and, and but he has a track record as well of that I really much disagree with is taking clips out of context and getting the internet because he's got a large following to turn on certain players. I'll take you back two years ago. Uh, Minnesota and Memphis were playing in a playoff series in the NBA. Carl Anthony Towns lays a hard screen on John Morant. He, he retweets a clip, says, dirty, trying to hurt John Morant, and of course everybody follows along. So he's got this history of doing this in terms of taking clips out of context. So the play that you're talking about, it's the play where Carr throws it out of bounds. Wide receiver clearly cuts off the route. Don't know what happens. Camera cuts the car, and he's, he's like screaming, and he's gesturing or whatever. We don't know what he's yelling about, though. But immediately, Sharp tweets it out and goes, how can, you th- how can you do this to your wide receiver when you throw it out of bounds? You don't know what he's yelling at. You don't know what he's doing. So 
it was it, it all kind of came together yesterday. It was this weird moment where everybody's watching this game. A lot of people, as you mentioned, and I think part of it is not only just watching Derek Carr for the first time. I don't think a lot of people watch the Saints a ton. So, you know, you get them in a primetime spot, so you're yep. seeing them for the first time. Or in the first time in a long time, I should say. And, like, it was just this weird moment where everybody was having so much joy in turning on Derek Carr yesterday to the point where, like, I agree. Like, last year he wasn't good. This year he hasn't been good. But I kind of found myself, like... Bro, can we relax? Well, I was actually making fun of Demon yesterday. I kept calling Derek Carr his ex-lover, and then I geez. found myself yesterday being like, "Holy smokes, I kind of feel bad for this guy." Demon, I'm glad you've come around, JVT. No, 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 don't put that evil on me, Ricky. Because <laughs> we're going to get into it later. But I like to think that some of the times it's not Derek Carr's fault. Okay, it can't all be on him. Like you said, wins just can't be a quarterback stat. Maybe could he play better a little bit? Are they terrible in the red zone the same way he was with the Raiders? And why are they ending so many drives with field goals? Hey, I'm not the OC. Maybe that's who we should be pointing the finger at, not Derek Carr. I'm just saying. Or maybe you could look at it and go, this is now like six or seven OCs, and it's the same quarterback. Yeah. And these teams aren't good in the red zone. And, you know, a lot of this is lingering from the Raiders fans who gave up on Carr four or five years ago versus the car devotees the anti-car people are going to get their pound of flesh yes and they're going to get it more consistently than the pro car raider fans are going to get the crow the saints are not going to win anything you know on the next level they're not they're not going to win 12 games oh right they're not advancing in the playoffs so there's no super bowl there's no exercising his history with the raiders they're not going to win at the highest level they're a solid team not a great team and Derek Carr is a solid quarterback, not a great quarterback. If he were a great quarterback, then maybe you'd look at them and go, hey, they could win 12 or 13, but he can't do that. Mm-hmm. He can't put an entire offense on his back. He needs weapons. He needs an offensive line. He needs and, he, and he also, he needs or the OC needs to get better in the red zone and score touchdowns. Yes. And, and he, he, I think he needs to be better, too. You know, we're like, you go back to yesterday as well, the potential game-tying touchdown. A lot of people focus on the drop. I think it's a throw that could be placed a little bit better. Right, it, like you, you could talk about it, hit him in the hands. When you have to extend and kind of leap to kind of put your hands on that, that's a throw that if it's better, then it's caught and you're potentially tying the game up. And so I, I think he does need to play better. And you're right, like this has been the constant thread. And that's why I go back to being like kind of a defender of Carr because we get to these extremes, right? Everything's got to be black and white. You're either the best quarterback ever or you're the worst quarterback ever. And, and a lot of people view Derek Carr throughout his career as the worst quarterback ever. And, and, and I come from the mindset of like, no, like he's a solid quarterback that if everything's right, as you're talking about, you can maybe have a team that would be pretty solid. Going back to why a lot of people thought for the New York Jets this last year that he could be an option for them. Because if the situation is correct, outside of the media stuff, because you're shaking your head, outside of the, you know, if you, in a vacuum, if you give yes. them the Jets, right, yeah, <laughs> yes. in a vacuum, if you, put, if you put them on the Jets, maybe they could be pretty good. And so that's what my defense of Derek Carr was. But you're clearly seeing if you need him, to maximize your team. If you need him to put the team on his back, if that's what you need out of Derek Carr, he's not going to give it to you. Devon? I do think that maybe in certain sports in certain spurts he can be that guy. I don't know what his stat is, but I know it's pretty high on, you know, the game winning drives stop, that he's, that he's stop, had. That's a that's a that's, that's a team. I knew that's going a team there. member. Hey, what, what no, team. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is he not leading them down the field? <laughs> no, I knew we were gonna go to the game winning yeah. drive Whoa. before like just stop. 
<laughs> why, why, do you, why do your numbers matter but mine don't? Come on. No, yes, like, does he have DeMond? Does he have a, you know, whatever his record is for game-winning drives, whatever. That's fine. Yes, he does. But when you're talking about, hey, we need you over the course of an entire season to maximize the offense around you, Derek Carr does not do that. And those are two different instances. Can he lead a two-minute drive because he is, as Cofield said, a solid quarterback who always knows the offense? Yes, but is he going to be a guy that you can plop into your offense and all of a sudden go from a 7-win team to a 10-11-win team and a contender? I don't think that's the case. 55 points last night. In the NFL? Woo! Yeah. 737 yards combined offense. In the NFL, we got to come back and examine what's going on in the NFL. I think it's a lot of factors, but maybe we can pinpoint a couple. It, it really is alarming going into uh, Week 7 here. It's already begun to see the offensive output in this era with all the rule changes. The offenses are, th- as a collection around the league, are this bad? Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Lawrence fires, that's caught on the run. Christian Kirk inside the 20, he goes, and Christian Kirk takes the ball all the way to about the one-yard line. They're going to spot it as he thinks he scored the touchdown, and they're going to call it a touchdown now. 44 yards for Christian Kirk into the end zone. He goes. Wow. Wow. One of the most dynamic plays of the year. That was a hell of a catch and run, and just bad matchup. Bad matchup on defense. Christian Kirk is not going to be shadowed by the Honey Badger, who is not fast anymore. A lot of people, and again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about Derek Carr, our ex, right? Now in New Orleans, uh, Saints were pick of the offseason for a lot of people. Uh, they're going to reach the next level, maybe 11 or 12 wins. Not me, Steve. I've got a really good ticket on the Panthers to win the NFC South. It's looking great. Their offense, the Saints moved the ball. I mean, they've had some real stinkers, but they moved the ball like they did last night, and Carr went north of 300 yards. They've got weapons. They don't score touchdowns, though. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this feels familiar to what Carr was doing in Raiderland. Now, that call right there from Amazon with Al Michaels and then Herbie came in, Wow, that got crushed last night and today, and I thought it got really mean. A lot of people were just banging it as one of the worst calls of the year and time to retire, bro. Let's show a little more respect to the great Al Michaels. Now, this is a thorny issue because we've talked about, like, way north of that with guys like Lee Corso. Mm-hmm. And Corso had a medical deal, like, five years ago. It might be longer than now. He, he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they still have him on TV. I don't know if it was a, an agreement with the family. He gets to do it for as long as they want. I still think Al Michaels is very good and... Should I qualify things? Like, he's 78 years old. Now, he is being paid, I think, $18 million. I think he's getting a million dollars a game, roughly. Like, $17, $18 million. So he's being paid like he's still a top broadcaster. Can we just brush that away and go, hey, he didn't say it. He thought he went out at the one-yard line and didn't have the, the finishing bang on the call because he thought it was out of bounds. Yeah, I think so. And also, that's why I wanted to bring this up because I do think there is a larger conversation to be had of just because you have a great history of being a play-by-play guy or anything at your job, at what point does what you did not matter anymore? And at what point do you start to get paid for how you are? Right. Which is a real question because I don't think Al Michaels has been particularly great. Having said that, in this instance, if Al, Michael go, if Al Michaels goes, Christian Kirk in for the touchdown! And he's called out at like the two. 
We're all burying him anyway oh, because sick. old man didn't see that he was out of the two. What's going on? That's it's what happens to uh, John Sterling all the time. He, he can't see that well. Right. He's, he's like 84 doing the Yankees, and he blows it on a lot of home run calls. He thinks they're absolute bombs way out of the park, and then, you know, it's 15 feet short of the warning track. Yeah, so, like, I don't think it's really – and as, you know, as people work in media too, we experience this at a much smaller level. For some people, there is no winning when it comes to whatever you do. Yeah. And with Michaels, I don't think there's a situation there that he's going to win. However, part of the reason why moments like that last night – are magnified is because since he's been on these Amazon broadcasts, he has been somewhat underwhelming. And I think that's why we're kind of here with the, you know, when I send in, do we make fun of Al Michaels for his call yesterday, just like everybody else is, it's kind of his own doing at this point because he has been somewhat underwhelming on these games. Herbie's not helping him. And I really don't want to go off on announcers, but we talked about Herb Street about four or five weeks ago that the energy is just not there. This seems like a side gig for him and it shouldn't be, but... Uh yeah, Al Michaels missed it. What are you going to do? Yeah, and it's also weird. Like one of the things I think is really undervalued when it comes to and in, in broadcasting in general, but also with play by play, is just like vibes in the box. It's a weird duo. Like I, I don't picture Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. Like the second the game's over, they're going their separate ways. You know, they're not texting each other. There's no there's no vibe there. There's no friendliness there. And with some of the broadcasts that work somewhat well, like I do think when I listen to maybe I'll get killed for this. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, it does at least seem that there is a camaraderie there because they've worked together for so long. In other broadcasts, you get that sense as well. For those two, it's like the last time they saw each other was last Thursday and the last time they talked to each other was last Thursday. Herb Street in a vacuum versus Aikman. I mean, I'd say Aikman. i say Herbie. Okay. And I'm extremely down on Herbie. I, I also don't really, as you, we've talked about before, yeah, don't, I, I don't really. like I do. Yeah. I mean, and I also give Aikman credit because he did acknowledge on Monday night that he looks like Jay-Z. So. Wait, what was that? Uh, it's like an old meme that uh, you know, a lot of people on the internet think that Troy Aikman looks like Jay-Z. And I think, they, I think Jay-Z was at the game, if I remember correctly. And uh, Aikman said something along the lines of, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think that uh, that's my identical twin when the camera penned over to Jay-Z. Okay. Sense of humor. Yeah. Not bad. Don't, I mean, always, don't always seem to feel that. No. Sorry. Didn't mean to outburst there. No, God. We're not, we're not doing a game. That's right. Texas Rangers just nodded it up. Solo shot. 1-1. Why, why are you down with this? You have a bet? Uh, I've got the uh, Rangers to win the World Series at 20-1. And I'm letting this thing ride. So. Are you? Yeah. I'm not getting off of it. So I'm very much hoping that they could uh, pull this thing out, obviously. Didn't really love yesterday. Got some false hope when uh, Seager tied it up. 1-1 in the fifth. Yep. And we got the Las Vegas Phillies coming up in just a little bit in their game against the D-backs. So we mentioned earlier, Raiders are going to go with Hoyer, not AOC. Around the division, I wanted your opinion on this because you're a Colts guy. Broncos are calling other teams about Jerry Judy. They call the Colts, supposedly. You want them? No. Why not? Because... The Colts starting quarterback throws like five yards downfield. What's the point? On top of getting a guy that, you know, maybe might be uh, what I'm looking for. Petulant? Yeah, petulant's a, a good one. Immature? Yeah, petulant doesn't sound Too worried about insulting. social media? Yeah. Where about your production? Yeah, I'll go with that. So, I, and like when you watch the Colts, where you're at as a team, your rookie quarterback's done for the rest of the year. You're just trying to get through the year so you can get back to next year so you can see what Anthony Richardson has. You're not in a position to sacrifice assets for a guy. 
There's no point. It has nothing to do with being anti-Jerry Judy. It has more to do with the Colts situation. Why would you do that? But I refuse to insult him. Well, don't do it. You'll... Well, don't do it and then apologize. Well, right. That's hey, what apology is not Smith, accepted. Which Steve Smith Sr. did. And then got insulted when the guy he insulted didn't want anything to do with him. Damon, do we have – I can't believe they're still talking about this. Do we have Jerry Judy explaining his deal with Steve Smith? to say about all that uh you know i'm not i'm just i'm gonna go ahead and clear the air and just this is my last time talking about it basically if, if he said he can't apologize if he can't apologize to me i would understand that and i would have listened to what he had to say but where i'm from we just don't if somebody talk bad about you don't you don't you don't go to them in person and try to act friendly towards them like you ain't just talk bad about them i don't got no no hate towards uh, Steve Smith. You know, he's a, he a good player and all and stuff like that. I just stand on what I, what I stand on. You feel me? If you feel some type of way, keep that same energy when you see me a person. I don't got I don't got nothing against him or anything. I just that's just how I feel and uh, that's just what it is. You feel me? If I if I would have knew he would apologize, of course I would have reacted different. But at the same time, I know somebody talking bad about me. I told him like what it is and moved on from there. Uh, he wanted to take it to. The, the media and stuff make it bigger than what it needed needed to be, but at the end of the day, you know, that's just what it is. I was going to say, what did you think about his reaction to you kind of not accepting his apology or whatever? See, I'm just well, what I one thing I, I should do agree on. I feel like I should just listen to what he had to say, but at the same time, mm. I'm going back to my roots and where I'm from. Once somebody talk bad about you behind your back, is you can't you can't talk to. Don't expect to them to come to them in person and think everything gonna be okay at the end of the day. But like I said, if if I would have knew he would have came and apologized and stuff like that, it would have been a whole different different story or reaction, and he wouldn't have said what he had said. Jerry, what's your okay? All right, that, so that's maturity right there. I mean, he did kind of back off at the end. I don't really get with the the whole thing about where I come from. So in Deerfield Beach, Florida, yep. Miami area. Apology not accepted unless you tell them ahead of time after you badmouth them. But in Compton, oh, no, 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 in no. Compton, you you can do whatever you want, and no one's. Wait, what? No, 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 no. See, what did he? Don't don't misrepresent him. All okay. right. So first off, was, I'm going to say this, yes. okay? Because listening to that, it made me it immediately made me. By the way, Judy's from Florida. Steve Smith's from California. We're just assuming. We're just taking Steve Smith at his word, right? That he walked up to Jerry Judy and was just like, hey, man, I'm so sorry about what I said. Because what Judy is saying there is, no, he came up to me and just started talking to me like he didn't have anything to say before he saw me in person, right? Mm, okay. So you chicken out because you're like, oh, I was saying all this stuff on a podcast medium, but now that I have to see the guy in person, let me go up and talk to him. So then if you had something to say to me, Steve – that I heard about, but you come up to me in person and are all friendly without addressing what you said to me first, well, then, yeah, I don't want anything to do with you. So then, after that, you're going to get your feelings hurt and go, well, I was going to apologize to him. Well, you should have led with it. I'm with Jerry Judy. I'm now even more with Jerry Judy than ever before. Now you want to trade for him. Second-round pick. Value just Don't, don't trade a second-round pick. I'm in. Shane Steichen can work wonders with him. Uh, Destin Adams. The Destin Adams. Sources have told me that the Colts and Broncos have had extensive trade discussions about a deal that would send Jerry Judy to Indianapolis. All right, there you go. Sources say. I mean, what's wrong? What are extensive conversations? 
All of these reports, like they could mean really no nothing. deal has been finalized or agreed to at this time. Right, but this has progressed beyond exploratory conversations. Hello, we got a deal. Sure, we got a deal. So exploratory conversations are: Hey, would you be interested? No. All right, see you later. So past that would be: Hey, are you interested? Ah, maybe. What are you thinking? Are you just anti the Destin Adams? No, I just I'm anti weird. What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of vague reports about nothing. See, I got it. Right. Wait, it didn't happen? I never said it was going to happen. But they were just talking. It, gets, it happens all of the time. Yep. Just like, like my favorite still over the last couple of years is Bill Simmons' report that the Lakers were reportedly thinking about maybe engaging on trade talks with Anthony Davis. Like, what, what does that even mean? And then, of course, all the NBA aggregators run with it. And it's like, no, he's, he's saying absolutely nothing. Demond, these are your people. Hey, it's up to us as the consumer to read between the lines, okay? That's why media literacy is very important, okay? If people just want to put out there to get those clicks, get that engagement, that's up to you to not get duped, okay? So they got to eat. And if people are feeding at the trough of the information or so-called information that they want to report, that's up to you to know if it's good food or not. I'm just going to start reporting. Go for it. I'm just going to start reporting. I don't care. In today's day and age, why not? What do you have to lose? Exactly. Just do it vaguely. Yep. And you're good. From now on, refer to me no more as John Von Tobel, the professional modeler. I know that's how you refer to me as. Uh, from now on, Raiders insider Jonathan Von Tobel, starting today. Oh, now you're a Raiders insider. Yeah, yeah. Now you're going head-to-head with uh, other people on the show. Yep. Look at you. Well, who? Adam Hill. Is but, he an insider, but, though? Is that a report news? Wait, what? Well, I've never, I've never seen Adam like report a story or break news. That's all I'm saying. Yes, he has many times. Or, no, I'm not saying ever in his career. I'm saying involving the Raiders. Yeah. Yes, oh, he, okay. He does. He's also a columnist, which confuses Oh, yeah, things. of course. Yeah, he's a columnist. I, I know that. All right, so yeah, I'm head-to-head with Adam. Adam doesn't know anything. Follow me, at MeJBT, Raiders Insider. All right, coming up next, we uh, flip things to, as John makes a new job announcement, a uh, new job title. Uh, we flip things to college football, good college football slate, including in the Mountain West Conference, and we'll get you ready for Colorado State here in town against UNLV, and I... Really fascinated by the language around the UNLV program right now is uh, you have all these new marks, historical marks are reaching by getting out to a 5-1 start, and they're like, meh, you know what? This is where we should be. This is the way it should be at UNLV. Kimbrell deals at 0-1. That's into center field. It's down. In the score is Smith. in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That was a good call. A lot of energy. Brian Anderson, TBS? There you go. On the call. Phillies back at it tonight. Right now we got 1-1 in the ALCS, Houston and Texas. That one is in the 6th. 364-1100. Caller 7-364-1100. DeMond's got a Porta Subs tailgate party pack. Means you get a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs, your neighborhood sandwich shop, and you qualify to win a Yeti cooler that we give away each month. This giveaway is brought to you by Porta Subs and our friends at Finley Volvo Las Vegas. Caller 7 right now for the Porta Subs tailgate party pack. 364-1100. Caller 7. What are you into, the slate for college or the NFL more? 
Oh, this year for sure, college. Um, last couple of years. This week. Oh, I mean, yeah, this week too. In general, okay. it's always been it's been kind of college. At, over at Visa, I'm doing a lot more college coverage than NFL stuff anyway. So it's kind of gone that I've been a little bit more into college. And we talked about this on Monday when you were here. I don't know how much you watched on Sunday or where, where how you've been watching. NFL's been kind of underwhelming. It has been. You know, about 20 minutes ago I teased how bad the offense has been and then breezed right by it. But the numbers are pretty alarming. Yeah. You guys come up with anything in all the, the gambling talk you guys do, all the football talk you do, as to why consistently across the board the numbers are like 15- and 20-year lows? Um, gambling talk tends to be very reactionary, so it's not trying to find out the why. It's the, well, we got to bet unders now, uh, as opposed to finding out why. Now, here's the thing. because So my initial theory was, well, there's a lot of unders. Maybe the market has been over-accounting for you know, just the offensive era. Maybe a lot of the times we thought that this offense was going to be too much. However, I'm wrong because you look at the totals for this week, got multiple games with totals floating around 40. They think that are within two or three points either way. So I don't think that's the case. It, and I don't think you're at the point now where you're talking about, hey, it's early in the season. You're still getting your legs underneath you. Now we're no. a third of the way. Right, we are, no. We're a third of the way you through the year. What if? And this is my this is my conspiracy theory. And I brought this up to Adam and Demond on Monday. If Demond will remember, what if Steve? We've been brainwashed. What if the product was so good for so long that we were just willing to overlook the fact that it had been steadily declining over the last few years, and that it just stinks because it's a weird and random game. That is filled with parity. Any team can beat any other one on any day. And that we're just blinded by the fact that we enjoyed the league so much the last few years that we're kind of caught by surprise. We're like, oh, yeah, maybe the product actually kind of stinks. With that, that, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's a possibility. Maybe it's been staring us in the face the entire time and we just haven't noticed. I mean, how many teams in the league would you call good offensively? At this does, point? Does it go beyond five? I was going to say five, five immediately came to me. So, yeah, probably five to seven. I mean, even some of the ones that you would say are, like, have the identity of being good aren't really great. You know, I think, like, initially if you were to pull somebody and say, hey, like, the Eagles, are they good on offense? You'd be like, yeah, of course. Mm, no. They've been pretty average. So I would say the list is pretty short. As I've said before, the, most of the league is crunched between 7 and 10 and 10 and 7. And that's actually what the NFL wants. I mean, they would like some standouts, and they, you know, you don't want anyone to be horrific and making a run to try to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. But most of the league is a few end of game situations from being in the playoffs or near the playoffs to being the whatever the ninth, tenth, twelfth pick in the draft. Here's the other theory: it's unpredictability every week. Yep. It's wild. That's right. That's why we love it. Um, <laughs> how about this? As somebody who is very pro analytics, go to the NBA. Everybody thinks analytics are three-point shooting. You shoot a lot more threes now, nowadays in the NBA. But that leads to a lot of games and some high variance, right, where you get some high-scoring games where every shot's are going in, and then you get some low variance. Then you get the variance on the other end where the shots aren't falling. You get really clunky offense. Could it be that the increase in amount of attempts on fourth down and going for it inside opponent territory and being willing to risk lengthening the field for your opponent while trying to maximize your probability of winning the game has led to some of these offenses – at least from a points production standpoint, going down. Oh, wow. That's a cardinal sin, what you just said. What? Are you ready to take on an entire world of folks who love the numbers and probabilities? But those two things can be true, though, at the same time, right? Where if we're going – that's why I bring up the three-point shot. The three-point shot's worth a lot. 
But when you're shooting a ton of them, there's going to be some variance in there, and you're going to get some games where you're like, holy smokes, there's a lid on this thing, and we cannot get anything to go down, and we're going to be extremely inefficient, and the points aren't going to be there. But you're still, in your actions, trying to maximize your probability of winning a game. Boom. I just blew your mind. <laughs> so how long, how long do, we need, uh, do we need to see this theory before we come up with an official t- uh, determination as to why, in football, the scores are it's pretty abysmal. Uh, by my studies, I'd say about two years. My studies. Yeah, as long as I get credit for it. Unders this year, 56, 36, and 1, 61%. Highest rated, check that, highest win rate on a total or totals through six weeks since 1991. Scoring is way down, like way down. Now, well, well, 18.4 points per game in week uh, six, the lowest in almost 10 years. Wait, Multiple teams. Teams average uh, 18.4 points per game in week six, the lowest since oh, okay. week 15 of 2014, 18.3. For only the second time since 1994, nine teams in the NFL won last week without scoring 21 points. Awesome. Hey, purists are in, right? TDs per game are the lowest across the league since 2006. Yards per attempt uh, hasn't ended this low since 2008. So hey, maybe they can't change the rules anymore to be pro offense. No, God, they no. throw a flag at every freaking play. I mean, it, it seems at, like it. At some point, you're just gonna you're gonna rule out a uh, you're gonna rule out a front seven and just be like no, you can only have a secondary, <laughs> and the offense can run five times a game. Astros just went up two ones here. The applause. In the background. All right, on the college slate. Peace. Do you have anything you love? Sure. Where do you want to go? Uh, well, I think go? I, I, I'd like to hit the biggest game. You want to go head-to-head? No, I don't want to go head-to-head. I saw the rundown. I, well, I put Penn State-Ohio State down. I didn't pick a team. Oh, because you put Penn State plus four and a half. So I, I figured that that was nah, the... I just uh, kind of rotate it. I usually uh, have the, the home team in caps. So, yeah, now uh, Ohio State's five against Penn State. Late I thought you didn't like Penn. Lay four and a half. Lay it. Yeah. That's what I figured you were yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Why I, don't you like Penn State? Well, first off, the offense. So it hasn't really been great. And you, you can, like a lot of people, I'm, I'm reading a lot of think pieces are like, oh, they just haven't shown anything yet. The thing that I've seen now is, through. by the way, if you haven't shown anything through half of the season, right. like, no, you, you've got a little bit of a problem. Um, Show it. Drew, yeah, right. And Drew Aller, you know, his average depth of targets under seven yards. He's not averaging seven yards per attempt. Yeah, I think he can be a re- he can be a really good quarterback. He's sure. not right now. No, and it's part of the system. And Franklin has shown some resistance because they are among some of these big teams one of the worst in explosive plays. Right, twenty plays of twenty or more yards downfield, fifteen or ten or more yards downfield. There's just no explosiveness to this offense. And if one of these offenses has an explosive nature to it, I'll take the offense that's got Marvin Harrison Jr. Amika Buka is somewhat unhealthy, but it sounds like he's going to play. Travion Henderson also missed the game last week. Sounds like he's going to play. There's just more upside with this offense, and Kyle McCord quietly has gotten better every single week for like the last four weeks. He's getting more comfortable in this offense. You're playing at home. I just think it's a better situation overall for Ohio State rather than Penn State. Coming up, we'll get to Clemson, Miami. We'll get to the uh, Michigan sign-stealing yeah. accusations, investigation out there. We'll go around the Mountain West as well. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. 
Yep, Rebel football off to a 5-1 start. And, you know, one of the things that really isn't covered enough, it is a veteran team with older building blocks. And Darius Johnson's one of those guys, defensive tackle, 6'2", 295, a vet. And he sat down with our own Caleb Herring under the helmet feature. And they got into football and some other stuff off the field. But uh, actually started this part of the conversation talking about what the first sport of choice was for Darius Johnson growing up. The sport of choice for me, I wrestled. Um, I really picked up wrestling um, in middle school. I wanted to open up more, like do something else besides just football. And that was an option for me. And I really, I was, I really picked it up and through high school and stuff going to state every year. And then my senior year, I ended up being a, an all American and seventh in the country in wrestling. So that's, that's pretty impressive, man. That's, that's yeah. really impressive actually. So I, I know I had a couple fans growing up that were wrestlers and I used to always like maybe even worry about them with some of the times they had to drop weight to make sure they made weight for class. What's the, what's the craziest weight loss story that you had trying to, trying to make weight? Probably say nationals. Um, when I went to nationals, you know, I was about 290 going into it and I had to be 285. And I just remember for, you know, two solid days, I just, I wasn't eating. You can't really drink anything because the water weight. So you just got, you can't even swallow your own spit. You got to spit in a cup, you know? And, and so you just feel tired and you're like, ah, man, it's all worth it. But I'd probably say that was, that was the biggest one for me. But going through high school and stuff, I didn't really have to worry about it being a heavyweight because I was like, oh, it's 285. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about being too heavy. And then I was getting a little too heavy. So <laughs> have some of those wrestling skills that you learned helped you in your, your, your time as a defensive lineman? It most definitely. Um, I think it, it helps a lot with, um, with your hands. Um, wrist control is a big thing, uh, especially for D linemen, just coming out of your stance and just knowing where their wrists are and just controlling it. Um, I think that being low, um, being flexible is huge and just kind of your body bends different ways when you wrestle and you kind of teach it too. And so I think that it helps a lot with football and, and just mental toughness because wrestling is a a tough sport so when you're tired you just gotta kick into another gear and go that extra mile visiting with Darius Johnson defensive lineman for UNLV football Darius I wanted to talk a little bit about the the difference I guess between where you grew up you moved to Washington and grew up in Texas and then now Vegas all mm -hmm. the lights all the glitter everything that comes with the package how have you adapted how are you adjusting how you like in Vegas you know I love Vegas uh, when I first got here I was like it was weird because it was the desert so I wasn't used to every like I wasn't used to all the houses being one color but I really enjoy all the lights and everything. And, um, and my family actually moved to Vegas uh, with me. And so it's, it's made it super easy um, to just, you just get used to it and stuff. So. That's awesome. I didn't know that about you. So your family's yeah. out here. I, I assume they're super supportive. Can you tell me some stories yeah. about maybe your family and how they've supported you on this long and gruesome football journey? Yeah. So uh, since I was four years old, the, the plan was to wherever I went to college, they were going to move. And so when I, when I really chose Vegas, um, it was, it was a family decision and like, where do they want to live? Where do I want to go play football? Where do I want to live? And it's, um, they've, oh, they've always been supportive. They've always been to every game. Um, I can't blame them for not wanting to live in Kansas for <laughs> three years, but they're like anywhere else and we'll go. So, um, it, it was a, it was a big family decision, but it's, it's been a long ride. It makes me happy making them proud and just continuing on with, um, the journey we had planned. That's good stuff, man. So what are some of the things you and your, your brothers on the team like to do in your downtime? I know football is probably much 24 seven right now, but when you do get a minute, what do you guys like to do in your downtime? 
I know. So a couple of us just went out to a, a haunted house uh, last week, and so so that was fun. But we we try and get together and um and and hang out, and even if it's just going out to grab a bite to eat or something, um, we all we all stay pretty connected um, over the weekends and stuff, and just you know keep each other out of trouble and all that. But but yeah, I mean we 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 hang out quite a bit. Who was the most terrified at the haunted house? You you can you can tell them it's a safe place here. Definitely Ben Key. I mean, <laughs> I was like, there's got to be scarier things in Australia. <laughs> and but I mean, he it, it was. I think the the haunted house people were more scared of him screaming. They were scaring us, and they were trying not to laugh and stuff. But I mean, if you've ever met Ben, he's he's a character. Yeah, definitely Ben. <laughs> I might have to get him on here next time and see if he has to defend himself with that one. But definitely, man, that, that dude is hilarious. <laughs> Sounds like a great time, man. I'm glad you guys got to do that. Um, keeping it with the team, you guys have enjoyed some success, and I know there's you know probably little groups within the group. The D line group seems like they've got a, a really close bond, and the teams I've been a part of, the D line always meshes together. You mentioned Ben Key, mm-hmm. obviously the D line bond there. Is there sort of a a special bond that you have with that position group? I mean, we're, we're so close. Um, I think we, you know, they say football is like a brotherhood, but I really do feel like we're all super close and um, like we are like brothers. You know what I mean? When, when we're in the facility, we're all messing around, you know, messing with each other. Um, but at the end of the day, it's always laughs and um, just holding each other accountable for um, little things. It doesn't matter if you're a starter, if you you're working your way up um, from scout or whatever. Like everyone is, is equal on the D line and um, we're all super close and we all help each other out with technique plays. Like if they need plays and they just can't really understand it, like they'll come to me, I'll go to them. Um, and there's, there's just no judging or anything. So we're, we're super close. That's always really good to have. Um, visiting with Darius Johnson, defensive lineman for UNLV football. I want to talk a little bit about the education side, the student to the athlete. Um, where are you as far as graduation? What are you majoring in? Things like that. Yeah, so I'm majoring in sociology. Um, I graduate next semester. Uh, I I wanted to graduate. I, I could have graduated in December, but um, I wanted to focus more on football this season because I'm not in a huge rush to use my degree or anything. So, um, but yeah, I'm. I graduate next semester and yeah, sociology has been, you know, when you first take, you're like, Oh, this is easy. But once you get into the, you know, the higher classes, it's, it starts to get kind of tough, but I enjoy it. That's awesome, man. Glad to see you're on track to graduate. I know David Whitley does a great job over there. He's been there since he does an day. awesome job. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's awesome. I mean, there, I don't, I don't know what a lot of us would do without him. So he's, he's a great dude. Good stuff, man. NFL season's in full swing. So I, I got to ask you, I've been asking a lot of guys, uh, what's your NFL team? I, I don't even know if I have to ask you. What's your favorite NFL team? Don't call me a bandwagon, but um, I've been an Eagles fan since I was little. Uh, my dad has a Randall Cunningham jersey. Um, I had a T.O. jersey growing up and stuff, so um, we've always been Eagles fans. So that's actually the complete opposite of what I would expect. It. Being from Fort yeah. Worth, I don't, I don't know that I've met too many non-Dallas Cowboy fans that are from Fort Worth. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've never been a, a Cowboys fan. You know, I played on... I played on their old stadium and I played on their new stadium and I, I just, I was never a Cowboys fan. I mean, I'd, I'd love to play for him, but I was never, yeah, we, we were always Eagles. There he is, Darius Johnson, deep dive. It's called Under the Helmet. It's up on the web right now. Longer conversation with uh, our own Caleb Herring here on Cofield and Company. We'll get you an update on the way back on what's going on in the ALCS. A little more follow-up uh, coming up on UNLV taking on Colorado State.